Hello, Life Center family. It's so good to be with you. We, we miss you so much. Can't wait till this social distancing and is over with. Yeah. But uh, we really wanted to speak to your heart to heart because yes. we want to let you know that we're heartbroken right now. We are heartbroken, um, you know, with our brothers and sisters uh, at the unjust killing of Ahmed Aubrey and now George Floyd. And, um, you know, the pain, the anguish that this has caused is, um, is, is, is just heart, heartbreaking. And, and it's wrong. And we are standing, you know, with, with all of you against injustice. You know, we, we had a mandate when we started out and we were very much opposed to the shedding of innocent blood. And that's what we've watched happen. Mm -hmm. And it's unacceptable. And we want to stand with those to see, to see change. And um, we, we stand with those who are peacefully protesting to, to make a statement that something has to change because this has been going on for far too long from generation to generation. And, um, you know, we can no longer have the sins of the fathers continue to be re revisited on the children. It's time to break the, the cycle of iniquity that continues to happen. And we know there's only one answer, and that's the blood of Jesus. Yeah. And we're praying. That's why we're praying for revival. We pray for revival that yeah. leads to the changing of men's hearts that begins to impact society. And we see true reformation mm -hmm. you know it's not a revival just to get goosebumps and feel good in the presence of god but it's to yeah. be a catalyst that brings cultural change in godliness and righteousness and that impacts every sphere of influence from government because that's where we've seen it now in the in the you know within police departments you know government in academia in business in education and the arts everywhere we have to have a godly influence and these things have to change now while we're we're heartbroken i you know I, we've been praying you know we were on a 40-day you know fast we've come out we were looking forward to pentecost and yeah. then this happened and then you say to yourself what's happening yeah and i wonder if god's allowing mm -hmm. this Thing that was like a festering boil underneath the skin that didn't surface but it was infected mm. and it's popped mm -hmm. so that God can allow a cleansing bomb to come that that's our prayer yeah we want to see a cleansing bomb to come and and change this and you know and now it's time when we have to have those conversations and we can have different opinions about how to, how, you know, what's the solution. And we'll, we'll ask God for his wisdom to break in in the midst of it. But we have to understand wrong is wrong. Sin is sin. Murder is murder. Yeah. And we have, we have no part in that. And we stand with those who, you know, uh, have been attacked or unjustly mm -hmm. accused, whatever it is, killed in this case. Yeah. And we're saying no. Not on our watch. We 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 have no partnership with that, and that's got to end. Right. And so we're we're partnering with other churches. Um, you know, we want to see you know a true justice movement based on righteousness, not based on political agendas and factions and people yeah. trying to get their advantage from a situation. No, we're 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 saying we don't want agendas. We want godliness and righteousness. Yes.
Yes. And even Bill alluded to, you know, us praying and fasting up until um, Easter. And it's interesting to me that during that time, Ogo Equiazar Holly, she had a dream during the fast, actually. Um, she went back into her journal and found it. And the dream was that um, she was in a church, in a smaller church, and the pastor got up and just said, there's two kinds of people in the world, uh, those that believe in God and those that don't. And in the dream, she was like, well, phew, we all believe in God. We're here in this church, you know? And then he started speaking to the people in the church and he said, what is your theology? And every time he would say that, and he said it at least three times, he would turn from a white middle-aged man, his face to a black middle-aged man. So what it's speaking to us is that there's an addressing of the church right now. What is your theology concerning race? Yeah. And I know from myself, I thought I was um, not racist. I thought I was didn't have prejudices and very little on the bias, you know, on, on the bias. And even that is pretty prideful to say. Um, and the reason why I thought I had, well, you know, we, we served as youth leaders at one of the larger churches in our city for many years from the 80s to 1991. And um, it was mostly an African-American church. We loved that church. We, you know, we loved the young people and we learned so much from them. But at the same time, I thought, oh, okay, well, I you know, I'm good in that area. You know, they would come over our home. We would, you know, we just, we did everything yeah. with those, yeah. those young people. And, um, and then, you know, when we had children, they attended a Christian grammar school that was very interracially mixed. And we're like, okay, we're good. We're good. You know, um, but recently now talking to you all and, and even just, hearing and wanting to learn is that unless something is at the forefront continually in your mind, the strongholds, the mindsets don't shift. So when my son, when our oldest son, for example, was coming of age, we threw him a a Christian type bar mitzvah, you know, where we all blessed him, the men in the in his life, spoke life over him. I mean, Sal was one of them that was there that day. But I never had to speak to him when he came of age about, yeah, you know. How do, how do you uh, interact with, uh, you know, uh, if you're pulled over by a police officer and yeah. what, what, what to expect and, you know, that you have to be careful and you need to, you know, watch your words mm -hmm. and how you look and because, because it could, because of the way you would expect to be treated because yeah. we didn't experience that. But as we've been talking to our brothers and sisters, it's like, this is a common conversation amongst our African American yeah. brothers and sisters that they have to explain to their children, you know, the way you're treated may be far different and you have to, you know, you have to be aware so that you don't get yourself in a in a situation that becomes extremely dangerous and 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 they're warned that it could become extremely dangerous very quickly so it's a, it's a different it's a different mindset it's a different you know it's a different reality than i had so we didn't 
even speak then to our children about racism and what is out there. And that was something that hopefully will be changed in this generation that yeah. is now we get to lead and, and help bring um, parents into the reality that no matter what race you are, we need to talk about these things. Yeah. And we need to explain that there are, you know, unfair um, treatment and, and whatever it is, like we, we need to be understanding, we need to hear, we need to listen, yeah. and, um, and we need to teach. Yeah. So um, I realize I've come up short and I want to apologize for that as well and, and know that, you know, I want to change. Like the scripture says in James, this is the Lord's brother. And he says to be quick to hear and slow to respond. And I think we just need to hear each other. Yeah. And wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. I know in, you know, in our family, we converse and it could be differences of opinions. We welcome that, but we all sit at the table yeah. and we all share. And you know how they say like the, the next revival could be a communion revival. Yeah. And that's one of breaking bread. And even if you have a difference, you don't leave the table because it's the exchange of the thoughts. It's the love. It's yeah. like the bonds of love that hold us together. So I, I do believe that the Lord is allowing this to come to the surface right now. Um, you know, in Ephesians, and I quote this scripture all the time from Ephesians 5. Um, well, I could look it up a moment. Ephesians 5, um, hello, 513. It says that all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. So even the things that have been hidden, it's a good thing when it comes to the light because it means it's time. It means that the Lord is feeling that it's time. It's the appointed time for it to get dealt. So I want to give hope to everyone. Yeah, come on. And yeah, these are these are seasons that it's going to feel ugly and might be hard, but it's an appointed time to allow things that were festering under the surface to come to the light. And we have to trust God's leadership because it says only light exposes things and makes things manifest. So that's a good thing. We yeah. can trust that he is in control and he is allow Jesus is allowing these things to come to the forefront yeah. so they can be made manifest and so that we can do something about it. You know, um, scripture also says that judgment begins in, in the house of yeah, God. Yeah, there you go. And I'm struck that, you know, there's so, we, we are, even in the body of Christ, there's, there's division mm -hmm. between the black church, the white church. And I remember for years trying to have conversations and understand, you know, like we were very pro-life, uh, you know, believing God for the ending of abortion and then I would have conversations and, you know, uh, with leaders in the black church and they weren't as gung ho on that point. And, and what I would hear is that because you guys don't stand with us when injustice happens in our own community, like you care about life, but what happens when our people are innocently gunned down? Where's the outrage? And uh, I'm feeling that now, you know, when Tammy's talking about we stay at the table, we listen. 
I started to listen with a different ear. I started listening with more of an empathy. What would it feel like to be on the other side? It's one thing to intellectually hear and process, but put yourself in someone else's shoes that's on the other end of this kind of treatment and start to feel the feelings. And that's called, and then, and then you start to have empathy. And then you start to, to weep with your brothers and sisters who weep. You, we can cry with those who cry. You know, we laugh with those who laugh. But we have to, you know, we have to understand that it's not just intellectual understanding or a debate. Mm -hmm. These are real people from real families. And, yeah. you know, so we want to stand with them. We know that Christ's body is not divided. Yeah. Uh, when one part of the body suffers, the scripture says that we all suffer with it. So, um, how do we respond at yeah. this time? Yeah. That, that's the question before us. How do we respond? Mm -hmm. You know, first and foremost, you know, a lot of people try to label, put this label or that label, but there's only one label that we're, we're labeled with. It's the capital C Christian. You know, we are, <laughs> we belong to Christ. We're yeah. disciples of Jesus Christ. The scripture says to put on Christ, mm -hmm. make no provision for the works of the flesh. And so Good. that's where we have to go. You know, that's where we have to go. We have to respond in love. You know, this is this is a time when we have to hear and understand and respond in love all around yes. and stand, you know, with our brothers and sisters who, you know, are rightly hurting and let them know that you're not alone. We're going to stand with you. We, we feel it. We feel it. I, I feel it. Yeah. And that's that's an interesting point that you said about feeling and, and understanding and you know, I've been hearing so much about trauma, even our guest speaker from um, Friday night, May 29th, Mike Hutchings, he was speaking about trauma and um, the effects of trauma, even in the racial issues right now, that racism, um, the trauma is felt by our ancestors, no matter where you came from or what. The scientists are having studies now that are showing that it could be epigenerational is what it's called, that actually on our, um, on our DNA, there could be like a marker of trauma on us. And so it's, it's called epigenerational and there's research going on about it. And Mike Hutching, to Mike Hutching's point, he said, you know, from the scriptures, we, we pray about the generational curses and we pray off of, you know, these uh, generational... Um, Iniquity passes down from yeah, one generation to another. Right. And, and so now science seems to be Catching steering up. in that direction to say, wow, there's, there could be something that even trauma gets, uh, you know, into our DNA and we carry it, though we, we might not have even known the land or the things that our ancestors have gone through. So in our hearing ear right now, if we can just hear through that lens of there, there could be generational trauma on someone. And um, I was having a conversation the other night with a friend of ours from our community and been a friend a long time and a neighbor. And, you know, they said that, in her studies of, of really researching it all, she came to the conclusion that so much of what the um, African-American people are feeling is trauma. Mm -hmm. And now there's so much more talk about that. 
even from sociological perspectives and, and so forth. So when we do listen to our friends, let's really be at the table to listen and and to hear their pain and, and to really walk with them in it um, yeah. and learn to understand. Yeah, put, put yourself in their shoes and how would you feel? Yeah. You know, Jesus came to break down barriers between people of different ethnic backgrounds. Yes. You know, for too long, the dehumanization of people groups mm -hmm. and the fallacy of ethnic or nationalistic superiority has caused some of the greatest human suffering in history. Mm -hmm. But Jesus modeled even right for his own disciples uh, about breaking down these dividing walls. Uh, I'm thinking of when Jesus took the trip and uh, it says he purposely went by a village of Samaria. Yes. I'm, I'm talking about the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. It's John chapter 4. Maybe we could turn to it uh, if you can in your Bibles. John chapter 4 beginning in verse uh, 5. It says, so he, Jesus, came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sichar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus mm -hmm. by the well. It was about the sixth hour. You know, I find it interesting because Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. I only go where I, I know my <laughs> father's going. So he kind of went out of his way yes. because, the, because the father was leading him on yes. a divine appointment by a Samaritan village. Yes. And he sat down by a well. Mm -hmm. And it says, a woman of Samaria came to draw water from the well. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And if his disciples were there, they would have gotten him the water, you know, but... They had gone away. He was there by himself. He knew he was there on a divine appointment. And he asked a Samaritan woman. Mm -hmm. Understand, Samaritans and the Jews were mm -hmm. really an enmity because the Samaritans were uh, of a, a mixed race, if you will. Yeah. The Jewish people who had intermarried with the people of the land. You know, we know back in the book of Ezra, they had to separate and have no part mm -hmm. of the Jewish inheritance. Mm -hmm. And uh, so so there was animosity and they, the Samaritans were looked look down upon. And so the woman, so when Jesus says, give me a drink, you know, his disciples weren't there. The woman said to him, how is it that you, yeah. being a Jew, ask a drink from a Samaritan woman? Mm -hmm. Like, you consider me unclean. <laughs> you consider me like yeah. you would cross the street. Yet you want me to give you a drink of water. Like, mm -hmm. what's with you Jews? I don't, you know, she's not getting it. And uh, and she says, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, Jesus was not afraid to break cultural taboos yeah. and tearing down yeah. dividing lines. Mm -hmm. um, he was intentional in stopping uh, at the Samaritan village because he had a divine appointment. Mm -hmm. with the Samaritan woman. And we know as the scripture goes on that he uh, he said to her, if you know, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you mm -hmm. would ask and I would give you rivers of living water. Yes. And she was, she's like, what are you talking about? You don't have anything to even draw water from. And, uh, and then he went on to tell her he had a word of knowledge about her history mm -hmm. and how many husbands she had. <laughs> and she says, oh, I, I perceive you're a prophet. Mm. And then he... he he, she asks him some theological questions. He clarifies her theology because mm -hmm. they thought they were, you know, they, 
this was Jacob's well, and you Jews worship in Jerusalem. But he clarifies why the Jews wow. believe what they do. And, uh, and then she goes back and witnesses about Jesus to everybody in the village. And they all come out to hear this one mm. who told her all about her life. Mm. And so, and I find it interesting for the first time, yeah. you know, Jesus reveals who he is. Mm -hmm. He says to her, you know, the one who is talking to you, it's in verse uh, 26. Yeah. Uh, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. That was the first time he publicly, and it was yes. to a Samaritan woman, not even to a Jewish wow. woman. Wow, someone that telling. they could say is a half-breed. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. There are no half-breeds in the Lord. We're all of one blood, it yeah. says. And it says when his disciples came back, they didn't understand why he was talking, one, to a woman, mm -hmm. two, to a Samaritan woman. Yes. Like, what is he doing? They were confused by that, but he was breaking dividing mm -hmm. walls. That's right. That's what Jesus does. He breaks dividing walls. And that's what we're to do. Yes. We have to be willing to go the extra mile. Yeah. Go out of our way. Samar his trip by that Samaritan village was out of his way. That's right. But he had a divine appointment <laughs> and he had to meet it. And we have to meet our divine appointments no matter where our mm. schedule takes us. We have to say, Holy mm. Spirit, you lead me, you guide good. me. good. And if I have cultural taboos that don't yeah. align with scriptural righteousness... Scripture has to prevail. Yes. That has to be. Mercy and truth together is is what has to be our guidepost. Yeah. And, and that's where we stand. So we're standing against injustice of all kinds. Yes. Shedding of innocent blood brings a curse on the land. We've watched the shedding of innocent blood. We have to be rightly outraged. Yes. And ask God, God grant us grace for revival that leads to yes. repentance, that leads to reformation of society and the mm -hmm. spheres that influence yes. and control these things, we need to bring influence there. Yes, and so I think it's so interesting in these scriptures, Bill, that you just read that the disciples were not with Jesus. He was alone when he met the woman at the well. Like, right. I, I wonder too, if the disciples were there, if they would have stopped him. Like even, Nicodemus had to come to Jesus at night alone, you know, and sometimes these conversations need to take place one on one. Yes. And from their build, you know, and then he and, you know, the, the disciples came in and then they got taught, you know, by the influence of what was happening. So I, I just, it's very curious that, you know, everybody had to be away. I, I agree. I think if his disciples were there, they would have said, oh, what do you need? I'll get it. You know, but but yeah. he had to have an interaction yes. with the Samaritan woman because it was a divine appointment. Yes, absolutely. We're yeah. on we're on divine assignment. We're in New York in this time for such a time as this, mm -hmm. you know, and we are the ambassadors of reconciliation. He's made us yes. ambassadors of reconciliation to reconcile that which is broken That's back good. to the Father, to reconcile broken systems back into righteousness. Yes. And we have to stand with our brothers and sisters. And, and I want my I really believe that God wants to put an end to the divisions in the church, that there mm. be no more black and white church, that we can be brothers and sisters yeah. and start to walk and, and walk together and not say that's your issue or my issue, but yeah. say your issue is my issue because you're my brother right. and I, I stand with you. So that's, that, that's where we're coming at.
that's yes we stand against injustice of mm -hmm. any kind and we want to see healing you know we're not signing on to political agendas or right yeah. left progressive conservative yeah but, but godliness that's what we want to see yeah and and even to just speak into that um so we do not condone the rioting that's going on obviously but just in case anybody uh had any question about that um in fact we can continue to pray according to ephesians 5 13 which was that the lord would expose and bring to light anything what's made manifest is coming from the light so if there is anything going on in this whether it's agendas whether it's the looting for personal gain um anything at all that's not to bring the reformation that jesus wants to bring we can pray under the authority he's given us jesus bring everything that's hidden to the light mm -hmm. and expose it so that you know and and you know we say no to any agenda that's not a reformation that jesus wants you know we do looting is not the answer um a political agendas are not the answer in this. We want to see a holy coming together where Jesus says that the bonds of love cannot be broken. And that's what we want. And I don't want people to be afraid. You know, we just believe Psalm 91. We just pray for the covering and the protection of our city. And um, you have authority as a believer in Jesus Christ to stand up and use your authority and say peace to these streets. In the name of Jesus, I declare peace to the streets that I live on. I have authority here. I co-labor with him. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you speak peace to those streets. Yeah. Um, so even alongside with that if you have any concern at all that there is i mean we've gotten phone calls and different texts and everything there's concerns about there is something going on there's like an underground thing a people saw a knife or, or whatever it is we trust jesus's leadership now in this hour and we say with authority full well knowing he will expose and bring things to the light that are not of him so I want to say to you, do not be afraid because he's in control of this ship and he knows how to steer it better than any of us do. But we have to stay in the ship and we have to stay at that communion table together. Yeah, yeah. I, I really believe, again, this can be a time where the church can begin to shine a light. You know, I think uh, I, a community like ours where we are very diverse, multicultural, you know, every tribe and ethnicity coming together, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Let's lead on this. Mm -hmm. Let's get out That's in good. front. And um, if there if there's reforms that need to happen in government, we, we want to be a part. You know, we want to be a catalyst to see that happen. But we know ultimately it's in the hearts of men. And so... <laughs> That's why we're praying for revival. We're praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit because unless the hearts change, we can legislate all we want, mm. but unless hearts are changed, you know, unless the fear of God yes. falls, the kabod of God falls, you know, is it a band-aid, you know? Wow. Um, but we know that he can turn hearts. So would you join with us? Yes. Praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the and grace, revival. The grace for repentance, the grace for yeah. revival, the grace for a great turning and awakening. 
that actually impacts culture. That mm -hmm. It's not just in the four walls of the church and we have mm -hmm. a great meeting and we feel the goosebumps and we <laughs> feel the presence of God. And I love all of that. Yeah. And I'm all in on that. Mm -hmm. But that it goes beyond those walls. It goes outside right. with us and it changes culture. Yeah. Now that's very interesting because, you know, I'm a student of revival and our community, we pray for revival all the time. And... I think when I first got touched with the Holy Spirit, revival was what burned in me. Yes. So I studied, I think one of the first things I was asked to even teach on in um, other than youth and Sunday school and that was, was to teach class on revival. So from my studies, and this is gonna be very short, it's, I'll just, I'll just say about the, the, you know, some of the biggest revivals that we know, the first great awakening. The first great awakening hit the seminaries, it hit the um, the leaders of the church movements then, and there was a there was revival going on within um, you, you know within that that world, that academia world. But the second great awakening happened with circuit riders, just people on their horses, riding from town to town in the West, you know, the Kentucky River, yeah. all, all these different things. That was called the Second, the second Great, Great Awakening. Awakening. Yeah. But who did that affect? It affected mostly the common man, the common folk. And it was like a little bit looked down upon, you know, by those that had had, um, you know, the seminary degrees and, and um, and they were the known um, theologians of the day, but true revival hit. And then one of the other great awakening, I mean, one of the other revivals that we talk so much about is- um, Azusa? Before Azusa comes, uh, <laughs> comes- Oh, right, 1857, 1857, the businessman's revival right in New York. Right, Jeremiah Lamphere up the block from our church location. And that one targeted the layman businessman. So you could see like, it's just progressing. It's not just for the laity, it's it's for the common folks, it's for the businessmen. And then the, the next one, if I could just give you four snippets, the next one was Azusa Street. And the story of Azusa Street is that it was in effect started by William Seymour, who was a black man. Former slave only one eye. I remember teaching about him and weeping because of the humility on this man. He didn't care what it took and everybody would just come to see black, white. They say the color lines were washed away mm -hmm. under that revival. He would just wanted to press into the Lord that he would take a crate and put his head inside the crate and cry out in prayer. So there's such great heritage here. Like we honor and thank each culture for everything that they've deposited into the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna take all of us. So I wonder if this next revival that we're praying so much for is going to be this one around the communion table of, of all races, yeah. all colors, everyone doing their part. I mean, Jesus said, you're going to know my disciples by their love one for another, you know, and his disciples come from every tribe, <laughs> every tongue, yes. every ethnicity, you know, 
un, under the sun. So it's, and we're supposed to love each other. Yeah. Not divide on some demonic lines of race or ethnic whatever, but we're to come together in, in, yes. to his banquet and his, his banner over us is love. Amen. Love is what is going to turn this but it's 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 got to be a godly love it's got to be the kind of love that christ you know he showed when he freely laid his life down you know god so loved that he gave his only begotten son it's it's going to be sacrificial wow and when we're, we're we're willing to you know stand shoulder to shoulder with those who are mm -hmm. our brothers and sisters even if it costs us something then we're walking in love yeah and we don't want anything to steal a revival from us. Come on. Whether it's pride or prejudice or, you know, somebody stole the email. I'm not, it wasn't an email list. It was a, it was a list of names of the, the roster of people that had come through Azusa. Um, huh. And the secretary ran off with it. So they couldn't keep up with to to contact their people through their newsletter to let them know the meetings that they were having and yeah too many factions happen we've, we don't want that we've been praying you've been praying yes. with us as a family as a community believing for the outpouring we were all believing that this pentecost would be something amazing would mm -hmm. happen and i remember saying leading up to Pentecost, it may not look, let's be prepared, oh, it may not look like we expect, but let's be ready for what the Lord's doing. And it's not looking anything like I expected, but I trust the Lord. Yeah. I trust that he's in control, that he knows what he's doing. And he's orchestrating a situation to see the perfection or the bringing to maturity of the whole bride of Christ. Yes. Every part coming together, mm -hmm. contributing to the body, that which it uniquely is designed to do. Mm -hmm. And when we come in the unity of the Holy Spirit, there's gonna be this outpouring. Yes. And it's gonna lead to mass salvations. We're gonna see s people being swept into the kingdom that Jesus might get his, his full reward for his suffering. And he's perfecting, he's, he's gonna bring, he, if there's boils under the surface, he's gonna pop them because he's gonna bring us to health. And, and we have to deal with it. We can't run from it. You know, the, the correction, as many as God loves, he corrects. Yes. We can't despise the chastening of the Lord. Because if we do, we're not, you know, it, 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 he corrects his sons and daughters. So it's a reset, meaning we're supposed to re-examine. And when things mm. come up, help God help me to re-examine. Help me not to pre-judge situations or circumstances, but... Let your word examine me by your word and, and reveal if there's any, you know, any ill hidden way, hidden way yeah. in me, you know, search my heart. Yes. And know if there's, if there's anything, you know, that's not right, expose it that I may walk fully in the light with you. Yeah. We love you guys. And we want to hear from you if anything that we've spoken about, you are concerned with or you're, you're, you want to talk about your past and your history, um, we want to be ears for you. We want to be shoulders for you. We want to be bonds of love. So I believe most of you know how to reach us and, and be
people on our leadership team. We're working together with other leaders in the city. There's uh, even friends of ours that are pastors. They're organizing events in the city, even to draw the youth in and evangelize to them, even during COVID, um, just had by having memorial services for the things that have happened that, you know, a chance for people to grieve. And, um, and we just want to be one and show forth what Christ looks like in this city. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. We love I can't you. wait to be in person. I want to give big hugs to everyone. And uh, it'll be soon. Sooner or later. But it'll hopefully sooner than later. Bless right. you. Love you. Bye-bye.